Hello and welcome to the Armchair F1 podcast. As ever, you can find us across social media at Armchair F1 Pod and as well on all major streaming platforms. It's now our seventh episode of our first series. And can I say firstly, a big thank you to everyone who's been tuning in. Of course, it's been a fantastic few races that we've covered so far. And of course, the Turkish Grand Prix at the weekend just gone. No exception. We will be covering that in next week's show as well as previewing the US Grand Prix in the circuit of the Americas. But we've got something a bit different this week. And I'm really excited about this. Of course, I'm a Warwick University student. I'm going into my final year now. And one new society that has cropped up on campus is Warwick's Formula One Society. Now, it was established or started going um, throughout my second year and it's now really taken off this year with a significant F1 community building. Of course, Formula One is a community and a fan base that has really started to grow in the last few years. Of course, the influence of Liberty Media, a lot of the relaxation of social media as well as Drive to Survive. Of course, a lot put on that. But as well as that, a lot of longtime F1 fans finally having an outlet to come together and really share their passion about Formula One. So today I am joined by a couple of members, or I guess a couple of members of the society really involved in founding the F1 Society and looking very much forward to its growth. So let's welcome on Jack Rowe and Thomas Lubier. Thank you so much to the both of you for joining us. Hi, hey, it's Thank good you to be on. For having us. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. Now, this is before we go on to the F1 Society, this is a question I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. And it's almost it's a bit of a chance for our listeners to get to know you a bit more. What really makes you tick in Formula One? So I'm gonna go through this with you each so jack let's start off with you so your favorite driver your favorite team and your favorite race of all time yeah i mean that's a really difficult question to answer um i i started watching f1 way back in 2007 so i started off as a as a hamilton fan and then button joined mclaren and then i was a bit more of a jensen button fan um especially because I, I kind of i slowed down how much i watched uh, and when I came back, Hamilton was obviously dominating. So if I'm allowed to pick a driver that's not on the grid at the moment, I, I'd definitely say Jensen Button. Um, that McLaren team, um, again, a, a bit of an underdog story. They're so good with the unboxed stuff. With Tuned ages ago, um, I just love the content they, they bring out uh, and their general attitude and their history. So, I, I mean, everyone likes McLaren, don't they? But... <laughs> Um, yeah, you'd say McLaren. And then what was the other question? Uh, uh, your favourite race as well. Oh, that's, I'm going to be like really cheesy and I'm going to say the first Austrian Grand Prix of 2020 because it felt like we'd been off for years and years. And it was a seriously good race as well. Um, it, with I think it, that was the one with Norris on the final lap um, where, or the final two laps where he put in those crazy quick ones to, to take that first podium. Uh, and I was just so, I was just so, so glad to get back to it. it. It certainly filled a hole in my life that I had been missing really for the last few months. I was eager to get the 2020 season going. And then of course the world happened, but yeah, certainly a, a good choice, good set of choices there. I have to say, Jack Thomas, what about yourself now? Your favorite driver, your favorite team and your favorite race. Yes. I mean, so a bit like Jack, I must say, um, I grew up being a Jensen Button fan, so I didn't start watching as early as Jack did, but I started watching in about 2012. 
So that was my first proper season of Formula One. So I grew up watching him and really supporting him. And then obviously he, uh, he retired. And so now I'm a Daniel Ricciardo fan. I just love his personality, always smiling and just such a, a fun driver. Um, so obviously I quite like that McLaren team, certainly with the partnership with Lando Norris right now. But if I have to choose my favourite team of all time, it would probably be Ferrari. Um, I think in the bottom of all our hearts, we are Ferrari fans. And I just love the history of, uh, <coughs> of the team as well as, um, as its current driver lineup. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm a big Tifosi fan, I'd say. And as for the last question, what my favourite race was, so it would be either a button race or a, uh, a Ricardo race. So it's a toss-up between Canada 2011, which was one of the greatest uh, Grand Prix of uh, the 2010 decade, or uh, potentially Monaco 2018, uh, where Daniel Ricardo won at last redemption for him and uh, and yeah just what a great Grand Prix I was jumping out of my seat at the time so really loved that race yeah I've got to say Daniel Ricciardo never seems to have a boring victory that that is one thing that you can't say about Daniel Ricciardo so I remember FOM did a video I think of I think a couple of years ago after he won in Monaco of all of his victories so far and they've all been like from coming outside the top five or coming outside the top 10 safety cars drama is it just? I don't know if it's just like a rule now. If ever there is an interesting race, then chances are Daniel Ricciardo might be winning it. But anyway, let's move on now to the F1 Society in general. Because this is here. This is what we're kind of talking about mostly today. And I guess obviously one of the great things about Formula One is the community. It's the aspect of fans coming together, being able to share their love of the sport through a really a variety of different means. And of course, content creators have been at the forefront of that in the last few years but of course f1 communities and fans coming together is something that's a big part of really the shared experience of f1 and of course warwick university certainly when i came obviously i know there was a society and the motorsport society that does do a lot of sort of go-karting and racing and stuff but in terms i guess in sort of an f1 sort of f1 fan community there wasn't really one and i remember coming back in 2019 that i could sort of find when i came and obviously, in many ways, F1 society now is filling that gap. So I guess, Thomas, let's come to you first on this, because you were more involved in sort of setting the society up in terms of it being established. So I guess really my first question was, what was the inspiration for establishing the society? What was the gap you were looking to fill? Yeah, um, so I'll give you a bit of the backstory of uh, our Formula One society. And so it was uh, firstly founded by a friend of mine in third year, who's now gone on and graduated. And she, in December 2021, uh, founded the society. And what we saw is that a lot of people were talking about Formula One, uh, have been interested maybe due to Drive to Survive, which we will talk about later. And so we really saw that even though a lot of people were interested in it, there was no real community for Warwick students just to talk about it. And so we aim to kind of establish a forum where all F1 fans could share their points of view on races, on F1 news, and even other Formula series. And so back in uh, December of 2020, 
we first went about kind of creating the society, creating a WhatsApp group chat. And within the first couple of days, over 100 people had joined. And so we really kind of saw that a lot of people had been interested in F1, but hadn't found a place to really talk about it before. And so that's where it all started. Yeah, absolutely. I certainly remember sort of first hearing about the society, I think around about December last year. And certainly it's a society that's caught my interest, I guess, really looking at building the society up, because, of course, I think that's the thing, particularly coronavirus was something that was limiting to a lot of societies at the time last year. I guess, how did you find the impact of coronavirus in terms of, I guess, being able to set up the society? Obviously, the fact you can't meet a lot of people in person, but I guess also there's a lot of an online community that you really could take advantage of. Yes, I mean, so um, both luckily and unluckily, we uh, created the society uh, at a time where F1 was on. Obviously, it was a winter break. And so obviously, we, there wouldn't have been race viewings anyway. Uh, but uh, the fact that we couldn't have multiple people in the room was a problem um, at the start of the year. Uh, but we still managed to create socials and uh, and really it enabled us um, to create the building blocks of uh, uh, and making our society official. So I believe around March time is when we were finally recognised uh, by the student union. So in a, in a sense, it was uh, lucky for us that there wasn't necessarily any F1 on, so we could fully focus on making the society official and by the time the F1 season started again, that's where we managed to start promoting uh, the events. Absolutely. I guess, Jack, if I can come to you now, because, of course, you are on the exec, you're elected to the exec around about the time of the start of the season. So I guess talk to me a bit firstly about how you first got involved with the society and then sort of getting involved with the exec and getting involved with promoting the society a lot more widely. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not going to quite shine up the same way thomas did um i think it started on warwick love didn't it um or th- that's where the <laughs> like like most good things really <laughs> of course of course um yeah that's where the whatsapp chat was uh first posted and i think that's where the first 60 or 70 people found it and amy put a message on the thing saying does anyone want to um you know try and create a proper society um so it's just like yeah, I, I was bored of a lockdown and I, I like F1 and um, I just, I, I went to the motorsport taste today, it's much like yourself and it's just like, it's not really my thing, you know, but there needed to be that. Um, I don't know why other universities don't have one, but um, but there needed to be one. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I took over the, the social media and when it came to proper elections, you know, I, I kept doing it. And I've loved it since. So, Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that not many societies have, particularly an F1 fan community, because I think this is a sense that I get from the F1 society, that it's a lot more fan based, both, I guess, very much casual and intense interest in Formula One as well. So I guess because how how did you go about, Jack, obviously looking at building up the society this year? How did you go about really capturing that fan base that seems to have really not been tapped into before by really across any other university? I, 
we didn't go and tap into it. It was just there. It's just ready. It's like, I don't know. It's like walking out. It's, it's like waving a magnet around and just like everyone comes to you. <laughs> there's really not been that much effort put into it. I mean, obviously you have to advertise, but I'm not going around and going like, come here and we'll, and we'll do this and we'll do that. It's more like, here's some people who like F1. If you want to chat, come and chat to us. And we just had hundreds and hundreds of people who, who, who like F1. So yeah, I mean, how, how, how we're like, I'm going to get it in early because there's one in Cambridge. That's the only other <laughs> F1 dedicated um, or, you know, like watching um, style one in the country. I think, I don't know, motorsport is there, but it's not quite the same. And this, just, everyone's come out crawling out the cracks. It's great. Cool. Tom, I know you wanted to jump in quickly. Yes. And um, to add on from what Jack was saying, I feel like what has helped is with... Um, events coming back in person people just really want to go out absolutely i guess perhaps to follow on from what jack was saying earlier and i guess to both of you really why why has this society why has warwick f1 society why has an f1 fan society why do you think it's not been set up until now um i'm gonna jump in for it first before <laughs> <laughs> i think because mo- because motorsport is there because um most people go you know, I'm an F1 fan and that's where I should be. But the distinction between what is a sports club, not essentially, it is a sports club, and what society is, is pretty significant. So, yeah, I think on the face of it, you go, there's a place for me. But when you go there and you actually see what they're doing, that's not what they're providing, if you see what I mean. The work motorsport are there, but, you know, we're better. <laughs> Thomas, anything to add from yourself? Yes. Um, so Jack talked about uh, Warwick itself, but I think why we haven't been seeing more F1 societies around the UK is that I feel like um, there hasn't been that culture of necessarily uh, going to race rings um, in universities. We're lucky that at Warwick, the society. Um, atmosphere is quite big and so we hold big societies fairs and I don't think it's necessarily the case in other universities and so people are maybe less aware of uh, such events uh, well at Warwick really that's um, that's an incredibly important part of, of the university experience. Absolutely. And there's certainly, I think, being a campus uni as well, I think it gives you that ability at Warwick to really have that place where everyone can meet, where everyone can kind of have that point to meet other F1 fans and talk to them about the sport. And again, have those race viewings. I think it's certainly an advantage that Warwick has. And I think now we're seeing obviously being exploited and exploited to very good effect. I guess let's talk about the F1 fan base a bit more now, because obviously we're living in a time, and I think a lot of people put this down to obviously the takeover um, of Liberty Media into FOM. And the fact, we've mentioned this quite a bit, social media, drive to survive. A lot of these things are now influencing the Formula One fan community. We're seeing a lot more content creators popping up and having a lot more influence on a lot of um, Formula One fans, particularly sites like WTF1, for example. We know 
as well that the fan community has grown so much online in recent years. And I guess looking at the fan base, I guess the F1 society is now a real opportunity to tap into a fan base perhaps that exists beyond people who just sit and watch the race races every weekend or you know really get involved intensively perhaps in some of like the reading around F1 or really getting into its history but certainly I think a very different type of fan base but I wouldn't say perhaps a more casual fan base but I think certainly one that is a lot more diverse than we've had recently so I guess Jack let's come to you first I mean how do you think this this changing F1 fan base, this more online and diverse fan base, has influenced the way that the society's been set up? Yeah, I mean, if I can, like, I'm going to rewind a fraction. The way that Liberty Media have got about it, and I promise this is relevant, uh, is kind of a two-pronged approach. They've gone for Drive to Survive. They've gone for um, more team-focused, which is to drag newer fans in. And that's why they're going to America as well, because that's a big marketplace for them. But they've also they've also had a look at the teams and the, the fans that we had currently, and they found ways for them to engage more with it. There's uh, the the what is it? They do Tech Talk Tuesdays or Wednesdays or something like that. Yeah. That that's a uh, you know that's something as well that we've seen. So yeah, you're right. We've got it's like a step up. The new fans have become more more and more knowledgeable. And they've been replaced by more new fans in the first place. So it's just, it, it's great for us because we've got a big community of people who've just started. And then we've got some more people with a bit of history, um, knowledge, and then more people with, you know, who want to talk about it loads and loads and loads. And we all get along fairly well because there's, we're all aware that that's what the situation is. There's no, there's no elitism in this because we're, we've all started watching. We're all here to enjoy, you know, um, whether you whether you're uh, whether you're watching every session or whether you're here for just the race. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I don't know, perhaps cynically here, there's there's a criticism that I know has emerged with Drive to Survive, which is it's created, as you said, it's brought a lot of new fans in. It's we obviously a lot looking into the teams, the behind the scenes signs of Formula One. But. There is almost a bit of a cynical criticism that it's created perhaps a bunch of new fans that aren't necessarily, they haven't been brought in sort of watching the history of the sport. It's almost very sensationalized, very so much the entertainment based side of things. And it's not something I certainly agree with. I think Drive to Survive has been fantastic in giving people that foundation to sort of get into Formula One and to really look themselves more into the sport. And as you said, really explore that shared passion with at the end of the day a bunch of people who love formula one but thomas i guess if i could come back to you now i mean looking at drive to survive perhaps a bit more specifically how do you think that has affected sort of the new fan base of formula one yes um i mean to, to go back to your previous point about how a lot of f1 f1 fans are are cynical and saying oh new fans don't know about the history i feel like that's pretty hypocritical at least for for me personally how i got into f1 it's i was a young kid just looking at cars driving fast and just really loving the entertainment aspect of it and it was only after watching a lot of races that i started to gain an interest in the history of the sport, learning about 
ex world champions and uh, and the great the great um, teams of the past. Um, so I feel like this um, narrative that um, new drive to survive fan are not real left front fans is completely wrong, and we should accept them and. Uh, like us, they'll become uh, knowledgeable about the F1 history and and much more. Now, going back to Drive to Survive specifically, it's done wonders for for the F1 community. In fact, I believe that four years ago, an F1 society could not have been created here at Warwick. There would not have been the fan base for it. Well, now, um, even the more casual viewers are now, now watch every single race uh, thanks to Drive to Survive. I feel like what Drive to Survive, more than the racing itself, it also showed the more personal behind-the-scenes work that F1 teams do. And so while before uh, people would only think about F1 as being a thing on a Sunday afternoon, fortnightly, for two hours, now they understand it's much more than that. They look into the team dynamics, team politics, uh, logistics and so I really believe that Drive to Survive has opened the eyes to a lot of um, new fans and I really think that if uh, Drive to Survive continues in the following seasons they will continue um, <clears throat> getting more people involved just looking at the social media aspect over the last two or three years F1 has been uh, the sport with the highest engagement growth in the world and that, I believe, thanks to Drive to Survive and uh, credit um, to Liberty Media for giving full, um, full power to Netflix to um, install a narrative they want and really be able to build a story. Yeah, exactly. It's those stories that I think is something that really grips people in. And I think certainly when you're getting involved with something, I, I remember certainly growing up, watching the races, but not really always knowing a lot of what was going on behind the scenes. In many ways, Drive to Survive brings you in and gives you that straight away. And yeah, in many ways, I think it's been fantastic um, for Formula One to have that. And it's something that I think is certainly going to be really beneficial going forward. Um, one other thing about um, a lot of Formula One fans in the F1 community, of course, is very passionate. There's a lot of really passionate debates about Formula One, about a lot of the behind the scenes stuff as well as the on track action as well of course we've seen it a lot some of the quite contentious debates i think between lewis hamilton and max verstappen fans this season and i say contentious putting that quite lightly um i think one of the great things about the f1 society of course students are well known for being very opinionated and having a very high view of themselves but Certainly, I've not seen that intense debate and that I'd say I'd say maybe the intensity is there, but certainly I wouldn't say perhaps the quite offensive nature of it translating into sort of the F1 society. So I guess looking at that, because obviously social media is in many ways a bit of a microcosm of Formula One fans, of society really in general. I mean, Jack, coming to you, obviously you're on the exec at the moment, looking at sort of the discussions on the F1 society and amongst the community. How would you say the society has created that environment for passionate but also moderate debate? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not been as easy as you make out, I don't think. Um, there's, uh, there's, there are plenty of people in the society who've got, you know, very strong feeling, 
feelings one way or the other. And I think um, I think most of the exec, fortunately, are very kind of apathetic to the Hamilton Verstappen um, battle that's going on at the moment, which means we can, you know, if we had exec members taking one side or the other, then we're in deep trouble. But um, at the moment, it's just trying to keep a wrap on anything that gets nasty. It's encouraging. It's not about discouraging things. It's encouraging um, the right behaviour. Um, there's, you know, I'm, I'm not taking the approach of uh, negative, um, you know, we're not dishing out punishments left and right. It's just a gentle encouragement to say this is the right way to say what you want to say because people are going to want to have their opinions no matter what. It's more about um, letting that out in a healthy way. Absolutely. I guess, Thomas, that same question for you, because obviously setting up the society, obviously we wouldn't know there'd be such an intense battle this season, but certainly social media and that debate on there was a huge part of the Formula One community and a huge part, I guess, of how F1 fans were communicating. So I guess looking at that and the society more in general, I guess, are you happy with the way that I guess the society has really become a place, obviously, to not just enjoy Formula One and watch it, but for F1 fans to really put their points of view across and again very passionate but also moderate debate yes i feel like we're lucky that for our first full season of uh, formula one at uh, at the f1 society we're having a incredible uh, title battle between lewis and max and that has really enabled engagement across our social media platforms whatsapp or even discord and to add to what um, Jack was saying, I feel like um, what's great is that we do have those discussions happening. I mean, it wouldn't be an F1 society if um, if nothing uh, was being talked about, if opinions weren't being voiced. I mean, I think we're, we're quite proud and happy at the F1 society that so many different opinions exist. People like different drivers. Uh, People think one driver deserves the championship more, be- more than the other. And that's just the nature of social media and, uh, and the polarisation. You're either part of one camp or the other. But I think what Jack and the team has done on the exec is really kind of set, what, set the rules as to what can be said and what can't be said. And so even though we're not having these offensive um tweets that uh, happen uh, on uh, on twitter or just offensive messages as a whole uh we've got the nicer side of that so we've still got the opinions but we've got we've uh, they're being said in a way which encourages debate and um, and as jack uh, said before the last thing i want to touch upon is how kind of most members are are just F F one fans in that they just want to watch good racing. So even if they might be more of a Verstappen fan and more than a Lewis fan, what they want is good racing. And so that just helps um, the community as a whole to really just enjoy the races. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the most important point. And Jack, let's move on to you now. Of course. The F1 Society, you're on the exec at the moment, of course, you're very much looking to the future. So I guess couple of minutes left. What is the future of the society and anything, particularly the next few weeks that you're going to be doing that you want to just give a bit of a plug to now? All right. Um, F1 society, just bigger and better things, basically. Um, 
if I can try and make myself obsolete, then that's brilliant because obviously we've had we've we've had so much online interaction uh, until now. But you know, the ideal the ideal place to be is in person. Um, so I mean, if you if we're we're talking events, then in fact I can I can segue nicely. Let's go. Um, <laughs> as we come into in person things, we get some more involvement from people. We can have a look at the career side of things as well. So we. Uh, promoted a webinar from Mercedes the other day and we've got a couple of companies talking to us about well they're trying to promote themselves still but talking to us about engineering kind of things so on the 4th of November we have the business director of Williams um, calling in so I think that's probably our our best event to, to promote. No that is all definitely very exciting indeed and of course we have um, weekly race viewings as well. I say weekly race viewings whenever there are races on. They tend to be every week these days. Is that a more regular thing coming? Yeah, yeah. That's that's every race weekend at the at the Clarendon in Leamington. Absolutely, Clarendon, very good pub in North Leamington. Aside and the fact it shows F one, just makes it even better. But Jack Thomas, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks no, you're for welcome. No, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. And as ever, thank you so much for listening. As ever, continue to follow the podcast at Armchair F1 Pod across social media and listen to us as well on all major streaming platforms. We'll be back with a slightly more regular episode next week talking about the Turkish Grand Prix we said last weekend and the US Grand Prix as well. Of course, Warwick F1 Society, you can find them across social media. You can find all of their events as well across social media. And as well, they have a regular show on Raw 12.51 a.m. with the sport department, the Warwick F1 show, Tuesdays, 3 to 5 p.m. So make sure you do give that a listen, as well, of course, as the Armchair F1 podcast. Thanks for listening.